Welcome back, everybody. Uh, we're back on the podcast at the Snohomish County Sheriff's Office. Um, we've got a pretty cool guest today, Dr. Leslie Green. Welcome to the show. We appreciate you. you being here. Thank you. So to let the community know, we're talking everything in corrections, but not just in corrections. We're talking about specifically, well, we we'll probably will talk about everything in corrections, but the <laughs> medical field. That's why she's here with her completely and totally awesome jacket with the sheriff patches on it. That's my favorite thing about today. I'm telling you right now. I think that is so cool. Anyway, so Dr. Leslie Green is here. We're going to uh, dive into some topics. Uh, the reason why is we run the third largest jail in the state of Washington. It's important what we're doing in there. Um, there's obligations, I feel, since I came into office in 2020, that we are obligated to provide for our inmate population uh, within the jail over there. And so a lot of times this stuff gets missed, though. It's, it's not a super flashy topic. It can be. I think it's going to be today because we're going to make it flashy and make it cool. Um, but there's a lot of stuff that goes on that I want the community to know about and the doctor the doctor is going to help me with that today so with that doctor give us a little bit of introduction where do you come from that, that type of thing all right well uh, thanks for having me of course and um, I have a background in family medicine I'm family medicine board certified and I also have a background in acute care and occupational medicine um, one of the reasons why I was hired is because I was naive for to corrections, so I do not come from corrections at all. And the reason is because they wanted somebody to come in as a full-time position, which was new, they hadn't had a full-time uh, medical director, as more of an administrative and visionary uh, so that I can bring us up to date in evidence-based practices, uh, standardization of care, um, making sure that we're being uh, fiscally responsible and provide the best, the highest quality care for our patients that we can. And all of our patients are everybody who is booked in. So um, in, uh, you'll forgive me, I call them patients rather than inmates, um, but uh, because that's what they are to me. Yeah. So, and you mentioned this uh, just already, we didn't have this before. This is new. That's what I'm excited about. I'm mm -hmm. excited that you're here. And so we had what I, I just call a, a part-time mm -hmm. director before, mm -hmm. and we decided uh, over the course of the last year, actually, you just reminded mm -hmm. me that it took you a long time to get here, and it took a lot of work. And I, I give the people over in correct, corrections, the leadership team over there, yeah. a lot of credit for, for getting you here. Um, I think it's, some, I, I can't, we talked about this before. I can't say for certain we're the only jail with a full-time medical director on staff, <laughs> but boy, we got to be one of the only ones I, I would think because yeah. we're doing some pretty cool stuff, I think. Mm -hmm. um, so welcome aboard. Thank You're you. here. Took a while to get you here. Yep. And now you have just dove in though. I have, I have made lots and lots of waves. Um, I started in uh, shadowing a couple of, of the staff members. So a boots on the ground approach try to see what the problems were and I instituted an open door policy to make sure that my clinical staff and the correction staff, so the deputies, sergeants, lieutenants, everybody could come to me in my office and say, have a sit down and no judgment, what's going on, what do you think some of the problems are, what do you think some of the solutions could be? And so doing that and having all of those meetings in the first few months has made it so I'm more aware of what the um, the areas for improvement need to be. And so I have this huge um, whiteboard with categories, columns of categories of things that need to be done, including focus groups on things like chronic care uh, 
uh, patients, uh, musculoskeletal conditions, um, our psychiatric uh, uh, patients, um, wound care, uh, standardizing that, doing emergency management and upgrading what we do for that. Uh, there's so much uh, that had room for improvement, but I mean, that's the case anywhere in medicine. And so I took that same ideology of, hey, let's continually strive for improvement and brought that to bear here. So it's almost, I would use the words, the two worlds. So we got the corrections world, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's regimented, disciplined, there's a set schedule and boy, you don't get outside of that schedule. Yeah. And they're there to, to make sure the inmates are safe, uh, whatever needs to be done. And then you come in mm-hmm. and it's almost like you're, you're, and you're already corrected me. No, I call them patients, Adam. That, that's <laughs> and I think that's cool. And, and that's why you're here, but it's almost two worlds like this, but it's yeah. not though. I, I think mm-hmm. you're you're you have been able in a very short amount of time. You're uh, over overused word, but I'm going to use it. Bri- bri- bridging the gap, I think. Yeah. You're helping us become better at what we do on the correction side, and then the two in the medical side, they're almost merging. I think. I think so. Um, I absolutely love the job, but more importantly, I love the people yeah. that I work with, and medical detention either side it it's we work together for the same goal which is the care of these these human beings that you know essentially we we do everything for them and so it's really important to be able to see from both sides and there are times when i overrule um the detention and and we we work together to come up with an equitable solution and there are sometimes for safety reasons um uh they overrule me and and that's that's great that's what you're supposed to do you're supposed to have a back and forth and you don't just come in and say this is how it is you come in and say huh what can we do to make this better and what are the what are the things that we already excel at and let's let's keep that up let's support that all right. So on that note, you had mentioned two things that I got to correct for, for people who know me out there and are watching this. Mm-hmm. You've said two things. Okay. You said boots on the ground, mm-hmm. which means getting with your people, knowing yes. what they do, what's important to th- that type of thing. Mm-hmm. So you can in turn help them mm-hmm. in your position. Mm-hmm. And then you use the word open door policy. Yes. I got to tell people, we didn't set that up ahead of time. No. We talked for about 10 minutes in my office before this podcast, but we don't talk a lot, of course, in, in the daily interactions. You have your job. I have my job. Mm-hmm. But you, I have used those two terms, I mean, for, for years now. I don't want people to think that was orchestrated. No. I didn't tell you what to say. You're, no. Yeah, okay. I've been, I've been um, harping on that for years. Uh, the, uh, the job that I most recently came from, um, there is a different philosophy. You know, everybody has their, their own um, uh philosophies in their companies um and so what i wanted was a chance to have more of that leadership style and management style of going to the people who actually do the job and finding out what what needs to happen from that perspective sounds familiar but it wasn't planned that way but it's good (laughs) it's awesome all right cool so let's talk about what's going on inside the jail so we have inmates Yep. As soon as they cross that threshold, mm-hmm. we are responsible for their care. Yes. It doesn't matter what anybody out in the community thinks. We are responsible for them. And right. that is an obligation that I take seriously as, as the sheriff. Um, and so, like you've already mentioned, you came in. Man, you are, 
you are a visionary, I'll just say that, and you are changing the way we do business. Mm -hmm. Where I thought we were pretty good before, mm -hmm. you're bringing us to a whole different level that I think is unseen in corrections, and I truly mean that. Um, but let's talk about what are some of those things that people might not be aware. I often say when I'm out in the community, the Snohomish County Jail isn't four cement walls anymore, mm -hmm. and we put people in, in cells and they're forgotten. That's not what we do. No. We take care of people. We do. Um, what are some things that are maybe unique to especially a large jail in the third largest county in the state of Washington that we're doing? Well, one of the things um, that I'm really proud of is the first um, uh, initiative for intravenous uh, rehydration. So if somebody's dehydrated because we have a lot of people who come in detoxing mm -hmm. and they are you know throwing up and 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 uh, are really in distress and one of the things that they can't do is they can't tolerate oral rehydration and so what we are able to do now is do the iv fluids ourselves um, and instead of sending them to the hospital so it's not only the best care for them because they stay there we don't have to worry about um, uh, deputies being sent to the hospital with them. The hospital doesn't have to worry about, you know, just, you know, they've got a lot of things. They've got, um, you know, heart attacks and strokes and, and car crashes and whatnot. If we can take some of that burden away from them as well, that's, that's fantastic. And then the other thing is uh, we've been able to do intravenous antibiotics at the jail. Uh, so we have a medical housing unit that is um, responsible for the care of not only the people who are detoxing, but also the people who have medical conditions, say they have a bone infection or something like that. And to be able to support them and, and care for them while they have, you know, um, a, a vascular access or a line in and get them their treatment that they need for, you know, six weeks at a time, that's amazing and unheard of. So, and we do that ourselves. That's pretty cool. We have a large um, med room um, with enough stock of the meds and it's a wide, I redid the formulary. So we have all the, the meds that you could even think of. Um, and we have enough stock that if there's a huge um, uh, supply chain issue, we're able to compensate for the time that we need to. Um, and one of those things is, of course, uh, how do we get the meds to all of our patients? Because we have a census anywhere between 400 and now we just about hit 600. And it's probably going to climb because before COVID, we were at 900 to 1,000 uh, pushing upward. Um, so we have a, a staff of many uh, LPNs and RNs. Uh, who are able to uh, meet the needs of all of these inmates and they can check on them as well. You know, how are you doing? Do you need anything? We have three uh, full-time providers who are nurse practitioners who come in um, and uh, work very hard and, and see if, a, if an inmate needs to be seen or wants to be seen, they have the right to be seen. And so... Even if it's a minor issue, we see them. Very good. Um, I'm going to ask you a, kind of a direct question. Mm -hmm. And so there's I, I, controversy might be too strong a word, but um, 
we don't get the most healthy of, of population. It's just, no. it's just how it is. It, yeah. it, it's life. A lot of them are whatever term you want to use are addicted to drugs, are subject to SUD, subject use uh, disorder, things like mm-hmm. that, right? Mm-hmm. What I want the community to know is can those folks, can, do we have help for them within our facility? We absolutely have help for them. So we have um, medication-assisted treatment for substance use disorder, opiate use disorder. We have a collaborative relationship with Ideal Options for those who want to do buprenorphine or Subutex. Um, And then we have a relationship with uh, Therapeutic Health Services for methadone. We also have Evergreen Recovery who comes in and assesses and and does an intake and then on release they have um, resources for um, people who are struggling with addiction. Um, And, um, you know, we also have mental health professionals. We have uh, three of them full time and uh, two nurse practitioners who are purely psychiatric nurse practitioners because it's not just the people who are struggling with addiction. Oftentimes there's other stuff going on uh, as well, you know, PTSD, depression, uh, mental health issues that they've been using these substances to, to treat um, what's going on in their lives and, and in their brains. And we have these other excellent um, providers who are constantly monitoring um, our, our patient population and providing help. And one of the other things is anytime somebody who comes in wants that treatment, it's available. And we hook them up. They're able to self-refer as well. So they don't have that um, in-between, um, that red tape. So um, we try to make it as easy as possible. And one of the other things that I want to say is if you do happen to um, have the circumstance of being booked into the jail and you have a mental health concern, please tell us. We'll help. That's, that's awesome. Um, so you, you listed all the providers that we work with, which mm-hmm. is, it's extensive. If mm-hmm. we can get folks help, we're, we're going to get them help. Yeah. Um, one of the questions I, I get quite often, and, and I talk about it openly, is so we're responsible for them while they're within our four, four walls. There's no mm-hmm. doubt. There's mm-hmm. no doubt. Do we have a way or do we have anything in place? At some point, they're getting released, and we don't mm-hmm. control that. That's right. the court system. We're not going right. to go down that road. Mm-mm. So now, hopefully, we, we, we're able to get them on the best path humanly possible right. while they're in our care, but right. they're not in our care sometimes for very long. Yeah. Can we at least get them pointed in the right direction mm-hmm. as they, they take the footsteps outside of those mm-hmm. four walls? We can do that? Yeah. So we are, um, in fact, I was just meeting with my mental health professionals or my MHPs is what we call them. Um, and we're working to develop, um, and implement, uh, release information that helps, uh, so resources for, uh, domestic violence, for shelters, for mental health, um, for medical care. And, and that sort of thing that they can just take the pamphlets if, they, if they're interested in those things. Um, dental care, that sort of thing. Um, so there's a lot of resources available that the county 
supplies. But the problem is it's kind of, you know, hard to know how to access it sometimes. Yeah. Um, so, so yes. And on release, especially with the, the people who have engaged our mental health providers, um, what they will do is they'll, they'll talk with them and say, okay, so what are your needs? What can we do? This is, this is what we can offer. And then from the medical side, if somebody is being released and they want um, 30 days worth of their medication called into a certain pharmacy, they just let us know. Okay. And we do that for them. All right. You, you mentioned MHPs. Mm-hmm. I, want, I want to talk about them real quick. Yeah. I, I met with them recently. Yeah. Um, what a fantastic bunch of people. They work um, hard. And they work incredibly hard. Um, probably could use a couple more. I think we're going to mention yes. that. Yes, um, we are hiring. <laughs> but I want you to just to talk about, because um, I think, you know, we had the chance to talk. You've gotten to know them fairly mm-hmm. well. Um, wh- what do they bring? Because we're often, sometimes in a, in a form of criticism, we, we end up being called, you know, a large uh, housing facility for, for people that are suffering from a mental health crisis. Mm-hmm. There's more involved than that. But mm-hmm. we do have a large segment of our population struggle in that area. We so do. What, what do we do to help people in that area? Well, I think before we can talk about that, we need to talk about why it's so bad right now. Okay. And that really does have to do a lot with the uh, COVID pandemic and the infrastructure surrounding both public and private access to mental health resources. Basically, the, the bottom fell out of that. Um, because people had to stay at home and they couldn't work and financial situations changed, um, housing situations changed. And that means people not on their medications, they have to choose between eating and taking medications. They're going to choose to feed their families. And so there's a lot of decompensation that we, we've had as a populace, um, being isolated is not something that human beings are really structured for. We're social animals. Um, and so that also put a lot of stress on people. And so a huge increase need was met with a decrease in availability. That's a good way to put it, yeah. Yeah. So, so now what we have is we have a lot of decompensated people who were previously productive members of society, they were working a job, they had a home, all of that. Now we're working to restore a lot of these people. So they um, didn't have their meds for whatever reason or didn't have their care, and then their mental illness got out of control, essentially, and they had a flare, and then they did something that they shouldn't have done, and but they had no, you know, uh, necessarily had no control over it. And, and so now they're in our care. Um, and so there are processes in place. We work with um, the Washington State um, DSHS, um, Social and Health Services yep. Department, um, as well as our, there are people who come in and evaluate whether or not somebody who's about to be released by the courts, um, if they should, in fact, go on to further higher level of care for mental health. So Fairfax or Western State or even Providence um, to um, be inpatient uh, and have inpatient psychiatric care. So our mental health professionals, uh, our MHPs, go around and they help coordinate this process. 
And so they are run off of their feet. Yeah. Um, not just talking with people at the, at the door and, and trying to assess how are you doing, what's going on. And then, you know, of course, recording what, what needs to be recorded, which is, you know, they're disorganized and thought and they seem to be decompensating or they're better today, that sort of thing. Um, but they also spend time making sure the uh, patient has access to care once they leave, um, that uh, any family member that they're supposed to contact or that's going to come pick them up, that that's appropriate for that. And, and so they do a lot of case management, which is really something that I would love to see us develop as well in, in the next couple of years if we can do that, um, have uh, social worker case management um, at, in addition to our, our MHPs, I think that would be an incredible benefit and help reduce our, our uh, rebound of going out and then coming right back. Inter we need to talk more about that one. That's interesting. I think that'd be cool, we need, wouldn't it? We need support in this area. I love sure. that idea. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Very good. So, yeah. The it's a vision. <laughs> and you're a visionary. That's what we're here to talk about. And that's what I love about you. Okay. So we talked about mental health, kind mm -hmm. of what, what we can do to a certain extent in there. Okay. Um, but I keep hearing, the, keep hearing the term co-diagnosis everywhere I go. Yes. And then we bring up the subject of fentanyl. Oh, my gosh. That's probably the biggest question I get as the sheriff. It's like, yeah. what is going on in our community? Yeah. Um, what's going on inside of our correctional facility when it comes to fentanyl? It's not, again, I, this isn't an effort to be transparent with the community. Yeah. Um, I, what, what's going on? What are you seeing from a medical perspective when it comes to fentanyl? So what happens on the outside is reflected on the inside. It's the same for when it was cocaine and weed uh, years ago. Then you'd see the people coming in. That's what they'd have or that's what they'd um, have on their urine drug screen. And, and sometimes, um, you know, with fentanyl, you wonder how are we going to get ahead of this? Um, I'm not sure I have the, the answer to I that. I don't know that anybody does right now. Yeah. yeah, because the purity has gone up, and so we see different forms of it. Right now it's powder, and that's more pure. Um, then we've got the rainbow uh, fentanyl coming up from Texas, and it's already up here, and so the different, different strengths. People think that they're taking... Uh, a certain amount and they're used to a certain amount and then all of a sudden they take something maybe right before they come in right, right. and they're booked in and then um you know they're they suddenly start to to deteriorate because they have way overdosed on something that's a lot more pure or they're mixing they're mixing fentanyl and and xanax and and other uh street drugs We've, we see a lot of combination of methamphetamines with fentanyl, which is really difficult because when you're, when you're, um, when you've got both of those on board, it, it's not just the, um, the withdrawal from the fentanyl, which leaves people kind of listless and vomiting and just really not feeling everything hurts. Um, because you know, fentanyl is an opiate opiates deal with pain. When you take away that control, now everything hurts, but then you have the withdrawal from the methamphetamines mm which means they're angry too. 
And so um, we have a, a lot more of a difficult time caring for, for them because, you know, they're um, not, so e- not so easy as human beings. Um, so and that, That's tough. And again, I just don't think there's a, the perfect solution is out there yet, but we're going to continue to strive for it. Yeah, and we, we have the, the interventions, of course, are monitoring them really closely um, and trying to make sure that um, if there is a complication that we're on top of it, but we've got a lot of people and um, we do the best we can. And so one of the things that I am interested in doing is a sort of um, telemetry monitoring. So you're going to explain that one. I will. (laughs) I will. So for people in the medical field, you'll, you'll recognize telemetry as a way of seeing what's going on from a vital sign standpoint. And uh, in this case, um, a heart rhythm standpoint um, to be able to if, if somebody is suddenly their heart rate is going way down up, oh, we've got an alert. We need to go check on that person. Or if their heart rate is going way up, Oh, we need to go check on that person. And so there are medical devices, um, both developed for corrections and not developed for corrections developed for like long-term care facilities and whatnot that you're able to put on the person and be able to remotely monitor them. And I think that's our next step in bringing us to, with technology, to be able to battle this fentanyl crisis. Because without the aid of technology, I really feel this way, without the aid of technology, we're, we're, we're going to be chasing our tails yeah. in some respects because we don't have enough manpower. I think you're onto something there. And I, I gotta, I'm gonna take a, a small step backwards. Mm-hmm. I gotta just talk about this for just a second. Um, so you, you were talking about fentanyl and I thought you put it really well when you said whatever's happening on the outside is gonna end up on the inside because mm-hmm. we're taking people from the outside and, and putting them in our facility. Right. Um, and with that, uh, uh, sometimes there are, th- we don't know if somebody has just either ingested or taking. Right. And, and so there are things that happen even recently within our facility that I want to, I, I want the community to know this and, and give you a lot of credit. So there's been a couple recent overdoses that for people who did make it into our facility yeah. and then, uh, uh, were saved, were saved. They mm-hmm. were overdosing and you were literally a first responder within the walls <laughs> of our correctional facility yeah. delivering, you know, uh, first aid services to that person. Right. And we were able to get them through that. Right. I, I think that's important for the community to know. We're talking about the good things that we're doing mm-hmm. and the help that we can provide people, but sometimes it's in an emergency fashion too. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and folks we're doing, you know, with, with Dr. Green here, we're doing stuff that's unheard of to where, when that did occur, you were literally one of the first persons there. And I, I want to give you a lot of credit for that. And, and you've already mentioned, you know, boots on the ground. That's important to you. Mm-hmm. You are there and you are serving in that capacity. So I thought it was important to mention that. Thank you. All Thank right. you. Yeah. And, and to be, to be fair, um, my staff and the correction staff who are there with us, you know, doing the CPR, making sure it's high quality CPR, they're ready, they're queuing up. It's just, it's, the the best you can you can ask for is people who are willing to jump in and ready to do the job that needs to be done no questions asked yeah it's it's uh, fair to say this is an understatement uh it's taken very seriously operation shut down at that point mm-hmm. and 
everyone's attention is yes. focused on that individual at that moment in time. Absolutely, it is. All right, very good. Yes. Um, I'm going to start to wrap up a little bit here, but uh, I want to talk about, we mentioned hiring briefly. But yes. I, some people don't know how cool it is to work in a jail. And you had mentioned you didn't come from a correctional mm -hmm. background, mm -hmm. but now you've been there. Mm -hmm. Just talk to people specifically in the medical field who yeah. maybe they're like 50-50. They're like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I have the training. I have the background. They could be they could be a nurse, could be a mental health professional. Mm -hmm. um, talk to those pe potential candidates, if you will. Yeah, it's it's an interesting uh, population that that changes uh, with a lot of unique um, problems that you're really not going to see in community medicine, um, and you know being in a jail is uh, a destabilizing uh, situation, and so you're really able to to talk with people and be really open and and provide care that you just wouldn't be able to elsewhere from a medical perspective as a as an rn or an lpn and as well as a mental health professional it's it's really cool the the people that you work with i mean we're we're in the trenches there's it's it's not about you know sitting high and pretty in in an office and, and not doing anything you're you're in it um, and there's parts of humanity that you would not expect. Um, sometimes things just surprise you. Um, but for the most part, boy, it's an interesting job, <laughs> like seriously interesting. And the people who do the work love the work. Um, it's, it's something that, uh, I both admire um, and, um, when I first got here, I was kind of amazed because I was like, wow, okay. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's just incredible. And yes, we're hiring, um, mental health professionals, uh, deputies, um, as well as, um, uh, nurses, RNs. We're definitely looking for good quality nurses who are, want to come into an innovative environment. We're making changes and we're trying to push that envelope of say, you know, Let's let's get you to work through the scope of your practice. Um, we don't want to pigeonhole folks. We we want you to do cool stuff. I should end right there, but I'm not going to because you got a phone number you want to share. I, I think. do, I do. So explain it so people know what it is, mm -hmm. and then we'll share the phone number, and then okay. we'll get wrapped up here. So this is the phone number for our MHP mainline, and it's for people in the community to call in. Say you have a family member. Um, that struggles with mental health issues and you have more information on their background, maybe hospitalizations and or medications, that it's hard to get from somebody who isn't really able to follow directions or have a conversation. So you can call us, uh, the MHP line, and give us that information. Now we can't tell you a whole lot about your, your um, loved one, but that information that you give to us can make a huge difference in what we do and how we treat. So say somebody works better with this medication over that medication, they can tell me and I'll prescribe the one that works. And you can see night and day um, that, that change has happened. So it's really, really valuable. And I really hope um, that people will utilize this phone number for their loved ones. And it is 425-388-388. 
That's awesome. Dr. Green, thank you so much for coming thank in today. You. And thank you for what you're doing for our inmate population, patients within corrections. Yeah. Um, I really appreciate it. And you definitely get the coolest Dr. Jacket Award of the year, <laughs> I think. So I'm just declaring that right now. But thank thanks you. for coming in. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. You got thank it. Thank you for having me.